Bruno Black on the last night of CMJ. We're in Midtown Manhattan, right outside Webster Hall, and I am here with Dan and Tom from Gemini Club. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Better than now that I'm with you. <laughs> Sorry. It's very sweet. Good. Yes. Uh, you know, I wanted to catch up with you guys at the end of CMJ here. I almost called it South by Southwest, but it's not. We're at CMJ. How has this trip been? How has the whole experience been as artists who had multiple shows this week? Well, Dan and I keep referring and comparing it to South by Southwest. We're calling it the Diet South by Southwest, where it isn't so compressed. You don't play as many shows, but you're still grinding every day. We had four shows. We had one day off, which we absolutely needed because New York is insane. Everybody wants to stay out till 7 a.m., and then at 7 a.m. they want to get breakfast and just start their days, and we're just so not accustomed to that. So we've kind of, you know, we've done our best to handle it. But it's a fantastic place, and we love coming to New York. Uh, well, and you guys drove out here, and you're going to drive back. How many days is that put in front of and behind the trip? You could do it in one day. Uh, our first time, if you hated yourself. Well, it's not that. Bad. Like we did, we did Chicago to Austin in one day, which is ten hours longer than yeah, twenty-two than, hours straight. Yeah. No, twenty-three. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. We landed. At, we we got to Austin the, that first year a half hour before we left. But um, it's like a fourteen-hour drive. Um, we just kind of want to take it easy on ourselves, and so uh, we we've broken it up. Um, we, we stopped in uh, yeah, Lewisburg, stopped in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, which I'm now I've now coined the the land the time forgot. <laughs> what well, they didn't forget it, but they just kind of stopped in 1995, right? Yeah, the land the time forgot in 1995. Like Kurt Cobain died, and they're just like done. Yeah, yeah. we're finished. Yeah. Well, they moved a little bit past because we we pulled in the hotel, and there's like this big red sign illuminated over uh, dumpsters, and it said boopers. And we like the, the guy. We stopped at the hotel, and the guy comes out and like a pair of boxer shorts that's like the owner of the hotel and he was like he's like you you need the room and we're like yes please we're like what's boopers he's like it is a bar and we go when is it closed he goes i don't know it closes when it wants to and i'm like so is it closed now and it's like 10 30 so we took our chance we went over there and like limp biscuit is blaring alien ant farm and people are like guys standing at the bar like uh do, like doing air drums Dude. to all the sweet Limbiscuit drum fills. The most defining, <laughs> the most defining moment was when they were asked for Jaeger shots and they didn't have Jaeger, so they were drinking Dr. McGillicuddy's cherry liqueur. With <laughs> what? <laughs> instead of instead of Jaeger and Red Bull, and it was really really funny. I have a couple. You check out GeminiClub.tumblr.com. I have a photo of, of like boopers and all this. Wow. So we like we woke up the next morning um, feeling slightly a little more um, cultural than than the people that we encountered, to put it politely. And uh, we hit New York. Uh, we've been staying in Greenpoint the entire time. Well, you know what? You guys, like I said, you've been here all week. You've been in New York. You've been playing around. Uh, you know, for for anyone who's listening who's in a band, who's an artist that maybe hasn't performed in New York City before in any of the boroughs or anything, whether it's for CMJ or otherwise, what's the difference between, like, performing in New York and, for, you know, versus Chicago? It's it's a, it's a major difference. Uh, we've played here before. This is our third trip, actually, this year to New York City. And we're kind of, we kind of have a feel for it now. My only advice is for people doing festivals or coming out to CMJ or South by is to find out who's on 
your bill. Like, if you're booking something, make sure that you have like-minded people that you can have fans that will, you know, fans of other bands that will become a fan of your band. Because if you're on a bill that doesn't make sense, then you're kind of wasting your time. And we're fortunate enough that um, we are booked in places that, that totally have that. And you have to be sure that you don't get a... Um... <laughs> As my, as my manager tries to grab my crotch in the interview. Right. Because we're in New York. Uh, you have to be sure that you don't get a 15-minute time slot, too, right? Yeah. We had to fight through that one. And I felt really bad because we, we had this gig locked down for in, six in the middle weeks. Of September, yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, yeah, well and, the background was that we showed up and we were, I was going to get my wristband to go in and I noticed that they had the schedule printed and not only were we, we were not direct support of the French Horn Rebellion, who are buddies of ours, but they had bumped us before for a 15-minute set and I'm like, okay, grab my grab the booking agent I'm like, who do we talk to? Get the manager. He's talking to the two promoters and we, we fortunately figured it out. But like, you, it's it, that's kind of a testament to like staying on top of your shit when you're, when you're a band. Get to the venue early. We're always like an hour before we need to load in. We always like are super nice to our sound guys. We always let them know exactly like what we're doing and, and are really, really sweet to them because the guy that's controlling how you come off to the rest of the audience is the guy that you want to be on your side. Yeah. And we, we managed to do it tonight. Uh, I, I felt really bad because the ba- that band was some, some promoter got a little too excited and shoved the band another band in, you know, in, in a slot that wasn't it just they got there the wasn't enough time. Yeah, and they were really good, and I loved them. Yeah, and uh, and I just felt bad that they got cut, and we were like, Red "All right, let's." I thought they were good. I thought they were great. I thought they were they were pretty good. Yeah, sure. Uh, if you think so, I, I guess. I think they were great. <laughs> and uh, bringing the gear up there, and they're just looking at us like, "Ugh." You know, I'm not trying that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. but it, you know, CMJ's not that far. From South by, you still have that chaos when you get to the show, you know, and you still have like 10, 15 band bills. And, and with us, it's more difficult because it isn't like mic up the bass amp, mic up the two guitar amps, mic the drums, and you know, make sure everybody's monitored correctly. It's like Dan needs to make sure the DIs are working, Gordon needs to make sure the DIs are working. We need to balance out all the signals. It's a totally different animal for us, and we've managed to do pretty damn well given the logistics or techno- uh, technological logistics for all the shows. Yeah, I mean, you guys have a really serious setup. I mean, we've done videos on the Chicago vs. United uh, YouTube where you guys, like, really delve into, like, your equipment. I mean, it's not a, like you said, it's not just, like, you guys, like, you know, two guitars, one bass, and drums. You know, like, it, does it ever get to just be a pain in the ass having that complex of a setup? No, it's 21st century music, you know? I think uh, I think it's one of those things where if you don't participate in it, you're going to get left behind by it, you know? And, uh... Yeah. And I and I don't. I mean, I personally take a lot of passion out of. Uh, I, th- I think the gear that you use is part of the expression of the band. You know? yeah. And uh, and you make it what you want it to be. And uh, so, no. I, if it if it were up to me, it would be more and more complex every time we play. Something I wanted to ask you guys about, though, that is really interesting to me, is that Gemini Club has not only done South by Southwest as an official artist. You know, you guys didn't go down there just for like unofficial shows, but you were like literally like one of the selected artists for South by. And now you are a selected artist officially for CMJ. How does that happen? Because I know that there are a ton of artists of all genres that would love to have, you know, one of those under their belt, let alone both of them. We we, we submitted um, an EPK, and I think at this point um, we've worked hard enough, and um, 
we played well enough to get ourselves selected. Um, so it wasn't a very difficult process for us. I don't know how it would go for somebody who's kind of coming off the ground. Yeah. I mean, I as far as like advice for bands, I guess you know, yeah. it's like you gotta get people that believe in you, you know, uh, yeah. around you. And you know, we're really lucky. We have uh, Ryan Nagel at ICM booking us now, and. Uh, he did a killer job at South by Southwest this year, and um, he just started working with us. That was kind of his first thing, and with us. And then um, CMJ has been really great. Movie, yeah. And and uh, you know, like the best thing a band can do is is get those people behind them that that really are going to grind. And you know, we we always use the term hungry. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I that absolutely applies to you. And I, you guys are always good to the people. Who are good to you and vice versa. It's it's totally like one of those like snake eating its tail type of things. But karma. A lot of this stuff is karma, you know. Yeah. You gotta you gotta you gotta know that nobody out here, nobody playing in a band, nobody being a sound guy, nobody being a door guy, nobody being a promoter is like getting super rich and nobody's you know, we're all doing we really are all doing it just because we love it. And you got to show everyone respect on that, also, on that level. My biggest advice I could give anybody was, is that you never know who you're talking to. You meet a lot of people, yeah. and you never know. Some guy might be like totally in the bag and like being a jerk, and then he's like, yeah, "I'm a senior executive at Spotify," he's or like the head of Interscope yeah. or something. And, and, yeah. and you know, that's a lesson that a lot of people learn the hard way. But the yeah. key is, like, if somebody comes up to you and they're like, you know, like great show or whatever, you never brush anybody off. You always want to engage anybody who shows interest in you because. Without them, you really don't have anything. Like we can't play to empty rooms. Like you need people to to listen to Dynasty podcasts. You need somebody to listen to Gemini Club and and create a network that that, that you can draw from. Yeah. But um, I think that's the reason why we've become su- successful in Chicago and like why we're playing Lincoln Hall again. Um, you know, for the third time in in a year. And I, I think we've done a good job of, of figuring that out. Well, let's talk about uh, Lincoln Hall and anything else you guys have coming up. Let's get those plugs in there because I know you're going to be playing Lincoln Hall on uh, Black Wednesday, I think it is. Yeah, the 21st. Right? Uh, 21st of November, we'll be playing with best friend uh, Umami from Minneapolis and Boutros from Chicago. And for the first time ever, uh, and for the first time ever, we're utilizing the 2 a.m. liquor license of Lincoln Hall. We're going to be done by 1 o'clock, and Kid Color is going to play from 1 till 2. Dude, I love it. To, to, to close it out. And it's an 18 and up event, so we wanted to make sure that like people got their money's worth. Yeah. Um, we're also going to be debuting our uh, eight-step sequencer synthesizer uh, that we made with Unitronics um, called the Gemini Capsule. Dude, so that'll, I love it. That'll be launched then. Um, and then we're we have a big tour planned for January, and then in March we're going back to Austin. And then in March we'll be standing in Austin, Texas, talking, talking to, yeah, yeah, I'm a, dude, absolutely, man. Um, well, really, like you guys know, it, it goes without saying, everything good, but really, like, so happy to see that you guys just keep going, that you're here at CMJ. I can't wait to check in at fucking South by Southwest, and really, like. Congratulations on everything that's happened for you guys. So well-deserved, really. To be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on getting in the New York Times. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pretty nice. So. That was awesome, man. I, I was, you know, I'll, I'll just say it for the podcast, but uh, I was telling you earlier that I was laying in bed in San Diego. My uh, girlfriend's getting ready for bed, and, I, and I'm looking at my computer, and I go... Holy 
shit, Haima got written up in the New York Times. Yeah. And I just had, it was like this, man, we're so happy for you. Dude, like, can I tell so you, though, cool. in all honesty, this is going to sound like false modesty, I, I knew it was happening, and I was so surprised when it actually happened that I couldn't read it for four hours. And I knew for three weeks that it was coming, and then when I actually saw it, I was just like, I, I was like, I can't read this. Like, I was so, like, scared of, like, reading something nice about myself, yeah. you know, so, but that's neither here nor there. You were the subject. Yeah, I know, but neither here nor there, really, uh, Gemini Club always doing huge things, so best of luck, guys, and really congrats. And to you too, Haima. Thank you.